0: single saturday morning well almost every single saturday morning ah it's so early my name's casey steed citizen watch the voice of your valley that's for you maryland ah here we are saturday october 12th on mercedes news talk 107.3 fm 1480 am kyos KYosemite. yosemite so happy to have you here with me middle of the month well it's not quite the middle of the month i guess Still a ways till October 31st, Halloween. I noticed that some of the haunted places are advertising their venues, which is great. Just to me, that's agritourism. And we need more of that. Anyway, here we are Saturday morning in the studio. Happy to have you with me. There was a big city council meeting this week in Merced. The uh, first meeting of the month. There's two: first Monday and the third Monday of the month. The next one will be on the 21st. Anyway, it was a it was a marathon. Went five some hours. On a couple of issues that I was involved in that I'd like to talk about. One of the big ones was the uh, project that was proposed. I'm not really sure if it had a name. University Village uh, had some tie to the university. Wanted to have a tie to the university. Anyway, it was going to be on the corner of McKee. Yosemite, over there on the uh, north side of town, kind of one of the uh, El Camino Real's, the gateway, if you will, to the university, as will be Bellevue. Yosemite Avenue, as you know now, is kind of a hodgepodge of two lane, one lane, different widths, widths, uh, you know, the wideness, and then, uh, of course, down there, I don't know, east of Parsons, it gets uh, really narrow, especially there on the north side coming into town, and then further past McKee, it's, I don't know, it's two lanes up into Lake Road, and then past that, it's wide open into the country all the way down to Arbolita, And of course, the new UC Merced Campus Parkway, it's not just for UC Merced, the new Campus Parkway, has campus in it though. It's going uh, to be completed here very shortly. Now, I've heard a couple of different things. It's going to dump into either Olive or Yosemite. I thought it was going all the way to Yosemite. Then they're going to kind of jog down and tie into Lake Road. But that's going to put a lot of traffic, more traffic than's already there on Yosemite. Anyway, this project was before the council as an, an appeal uh, by the Planning Commission, which uh, coincidentally, they had some issues later on in the evening that. I didn't even know I was involved in until, well, shortly before, uh, before the weekend. But anyway, the project itself, 428 units, efficiency units, they called them. They're under 300 square feet, 200 some odd square feet. Uh, the studio apartment would be a stretch. And I mean, you'd have to stretch it out to be a studio. It was pretty small, seven and a half feet wide, each unit. You know, a door off of a main corridor, seven and a half feet wide unit once you open the door, uh, 30 some odd feet long, under 40, I believe, 33 to 37. Some had a balcony, some didn't. Every other one had a balcony that you could uh, look over. And the others had a window uh, where the balcony or the, you know, outdoor space would be. So not everybody had an outdoor space, but there was some outdoor space. From the living area, which, you know, is nice. Anyway, 428 units. No uh, diversity in the type of product or inventory on the product, uh, project as far as, you know, one bedroom, two. Well, they're all one bedroom, one person. And, and that was kind of the devil in the details. And there was an article in the Merced County Times this week. Great paper, absolutely great paper. It's glad good to see John Derby back in the saddle over there. By the way, he's got the Smith Corona out of uh, retirement, all oiled up. He got the three-in-one oil, and uh, he's he's banging out some good articles. But John, uh, Jonathan, excuse me, Jonathan Whitaker. Merced County Times covered the uh, says city trims charter suppose, uh, proposals for voters. He kind of covered the city council meeting in a in a backwards way. And uh, I don't know. Let's see. The very last uh, three columns are kind of dedicated to this issue that we talked about or we're talking about now. It says nimbyism or just the wrong project. And uh, I, I don't, you know, I heard nimbyism a couple of times from one of the council members. But uh, I don't think the residents around there were really about NIMBYism more so than the merits of the project. And so John asks the question, makes no assumptions. I would have to give him the answer that it is the wrong project for the area. Because, again, 428 units, uh, while you know, the size, you know, if you want to rent something and maybe that's all you can afford, again, something's better than nothing. We understand housing is critical and a critical need, especially here in Merced, the city of Merced, Merced County as a whole, California as a whole. But Merced, the city of Merced, the rents are going up, the inventory is going down, the need is increasing for all kinds of housing, whether it be homeless, transitional, folks, uh, you know, uh, almost homeless. You don't want somebody to become homeless, so if you can help them out with some sort of housing, I understand, I totally get it, but density, how many people we put per acre of land is something that we need to look at too. I understand the stack and pack, the high density, the uh, you know desire to have alternative forms of transportation other than the car, the individual with their individual car. I totally get it. I totally get it. And it's not that the model would not work somewhere. It's 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 not that at all, but on the corner of McKee and Yosemite on 5 acres to put 407 uh, 28 units, I thought was a bit much and some of the neighbors did too, as well as some other people in the community. We had a former council member Michael Bewomany, stand up and talk from his expertise not only as a planner and and uh Develop uh, you know, helping uh, entities develop land and, and the zoning and such, but just uh, as a councilman. So it was good to have his comments kind of backing up what we thought. And I do not fault developers for trying to make money to try to better the community. You know, that's a free enterprise capitalism. This is how we exist. And, and I, I know that change is coming. It's inevitable it's not that it's not wanted, it's just good projects are wanted. And on this particular project, on this particular site, corner of McKee and Yosemite Avenue, was uh, proposed to be a commercial development as the land was rezoned from residential, which is what most of the land out there is zoned. It's not even zoned multifamily, which is apartments. It's zoned uh, single family or a plan development, which is what's, behind there at Moraga, which if you've been in that development, it's all fire lanes, uh, 15-foot wide streets with parking bays. Very, very uh, dense development for what you see in a normal uh, residential setting, uh, different from the development that's just further down in the bright development, which is a normal, I would say, modern subdivision type of development, kind of middle of the road. Of course, the pricing Is uh, really not that much different. It's amazing. It's it's really rooftops and and getting a place to stay. So again, I understand the need for inventory, for tax base, all of these things. But anyway, as far as the merits of the project, 428 units, seven and a half feet wide, 33 feet long, 200 some odd. Let's see. Let's see my MCOE math. Now here's a good here's a good math. If it was eight feet wide, and it was 33 feet long, eight or 30. Eight times three is 60, 24. And then you carry the zero, 240 square feet. So then you add another three feet. Let's see, that's three times 24, 20, 20. So it's about, uh, well, it's about 260 square feet, under 300 square feet. So very, very small. And the deal, the rub was we're only going to rent the developer. And the city was trying to, uh, how do I want to say, promote that possibly, possibly, you could rent legally these units to just one person per unit, one person per bed, because it's a a one-bedroom efficiency unit, whatever you want to call it, there's still a bed in there. There was a bathroom, a shower. A little stove. I think there was a laundry area. Anyway, everything's kind of along one wall because it's not real wide. It's only seven and a half feet wide, not eight feet. I was using eight feet for the math. But you got to cut off six inches. Little briss over there for the uh, for the actual the actual footage of the apartment or the uh, efficiency dwelling unit, the EDU. So. When you look at regular uh, UBC, Uniform Building Code, uh, Housing Codes, all these things, a bed, believe it or not, everybody believes holds two people. So, a bedroom, when you have a bedroom, you figure two people. And, the re- you know, for sewage, uh, water consumption, parking, all of these things. So, the hope of the developer to try to get that much density on five acres under six was to say, we're only going to rent to one person per unit. Now, the enforceability of that was in a a huge question. How are you going to do that? How are you going to enforce one person per unit when they bring in a guest or they get married or they have a life partner or a domestic partner or whatever their situation may be? which is really none of your business once they rent the unit. I mean, they can't, you know, I mean, there has to be rules and those sorts of things. But legally, a bed is two people. So, the city, when I say they promoted or tried to promote this, they were saying, well, you know, if this guy or if the developer or a developer were were to build uh, apartments that you would normally see, three-story. Now, these were going to be three-story buildings, folks. Went from a 67,000-square-foot development to almost 200,000 square foot, four buildings, three stories high, 36, 37 feet high. They were using the steeple of the church over there at Yosemite Church as, as a height uh, limiter, if you will, that's saying that, well, you know, there is something over there that high. Yeah, there's some trees over there that high. But I don't know if we should uh, necessarily count those. So anyway, the... Uh, UBC, Uniform Building Code, again, two people per bedroom. So the city was trying to say, well, if they built uh, normal apartments, three bedroom, three stories high, two people per bedroom, it would be XYZ as far as the density, which was uh, comparable to 428 units of one person. But if you're going to use the mathematics of two people per bed in one calculation, you should use it for the other. So, and realized that 428 efficiency dwelling units could potentially have two people each, which would be 556. That's a lot, or 856. That's a lot more people than uh, 428. It's double. And then the idea of of the developer was to have anchor tenants in the ground floor. Uh, He mentioned an Olive Garden and a Trader Joe's. Now, these are the buzzwords of developers all over, up and down the valley, because, well, what do you want to do here? There's nowhere, <laughs> I'm not going to say there's nowhere to go, but people like to go to Trader Joe's, Oliver, our... what's the other big one, Bill Springs, oh, Bass Pro Shops, I want a Bass Pro Shop, and a Dick's Sporting Goods. I don't know what they sell anymore, they over there, but uh, at one time, those were kind of the places to go. Anyway, so he proposed putting that on the ground floor because the upper two floors, all of this residential was going to be confined to the upper two floors of the buildings. And the lower portion was going to be commercial development. So this was really a mixed-use development, commercial slash multifamily. And they were going under a conditional use permit where you just kind of roll all this up into one big burrito and try to uh, sell it to the council or to the planning commission first which they weren't eating it or buying it and so they went to the city council and again it, it looks attractive i mean it has a lot of merits on its face but it's the density and the size of the project and the amenities the existing facilities the infrastructure around the area really couldn't support traffic the alternative forms of transportation those sorts of things And let alone the density. So the density, to me, was a huge issue. You know, one or two people per bed. Let's just call it what it is. It's going to be two people per bed. And then what about guests? 410 parking spots for 428 units and a potential Olive Garden and a Trader Joe's. I mentioned in the comments that uh, those would attract, you know, a lot of people. Because, again, those are the buzzwords. Everybody wants to go there. Heck, I'd go there. But uh, where would you park? Where would you park? And how would you get in and out? A corner lot like that, especially with the access onto Yosemite. And realize only the southbound side of Yosemite is, is uh, improved, really, along that frontage. Because the northbound side, uh, from Hatch Road down, is, is uh, kind of next down into one lane. And that's the county on that side, which hopefully the city, someday, soon, will start annexation. And that's going to be uh, probably some of the first land to come on in. I would say from Yosemite North to Bellevue, watch on out, and all the way to the lake. And really, someday, La Paloma Road. I mean, it's really going to go. And La Paloma's not that far. Uh, much further than the other side of the lake, the golf course, that area over there, all behind the university. Of course, the university, we need to include them. And uh, probably, what, up to, uh, not Arboleda, but uh, somewhere up there. Somewhere going up there, Kibby. I don't know, where the UC Parkway Campus Parkway, excuse me, Uh, comes on in. We want to incorporate most of that so we can develop that and get that tax base because that's what it's all about. But anyway, density, big, big deal. Traffic in that area, again, the uh, level of service, as they call it, in these staff reports. They go from an A, which is just, you know, the Autobahn, which we really don't have around here. Not a lot of A's as far as, uh, you know, making it through town, through signals, through intersections. Uh, When they get busy having enough uh, lane capacity, enough footage, stack all those cars. Anyway, level of service, E or F? I didn't know there was an E, but I guess uh, it's not like school. You go from D to F. Now, there is an E in traffic. Unfortunately, these intersections would have been an F. Now, they did do a traffic study from the Planning Commission meeting to the uh, su- uh, uh, council meeting last Monday That's about all they did They never reached out, as far as I know To any of the residents Or any of the people that were in opposition uh, To the project But they did do a uh, Kind of a mod. I I don't know if it's a modified But it was a very quick traffic study Because I remember seeing the, uh, you know, little rubber hoses They put out there And I actually they actually use cameras now, which is kind of cool uh, To get a visual uh, Representation of what's going on Bringing things into the modern uh, era. So, uh, and showed that the traffic was, you know, comparable to what a, a commercial development would be. But again, based on what? How many people? Based on one person, two people. So, again, the, the mathematics, the premise, the, the metric was, uh, to me, flawed. Uh, again, may have, woulda, may have been a great project for up there at the corner of, oh, let's say M Street. In Yosemite, just a what a mile or so away, mile and a half away. Next to a learning institution, a class one bike path, a bikeway, uh transit. I think there's several bus stops there just down from M Street, big huge bus station. Transit, uh not station, but a you know, transfer point. And that was the other thing because alternative forms of transportation, let alone the vehicle traffic at a level of service uh F, E or F. And again, Parsons Avenue, a great road, has been a widened from Yosemite South all the way almost to the creek. A little area there on the east side, as you get close to Bear Creek, that's a little choky. And there, in front of Chenoweth, it's a little, well, a little dicey. There have a lot of driveways that back onto that. Again, that's one of the things that prevents a street from being a you know an autobahn. And a you know you're flying down there, and you know. Mildred's going to work and backs the Comet out into your into your pathway. So you have to, you want to try to have uh, no driveways on these big streets. And Parsons has been one of the, the fantasies of a lot of people for a lot of years. And uh, is, that's what it is, a fantasy, because it ain't going to happen. I do not see it happening for, uh, well, <laughs> a long time. I thought the Ace Rail system was in the bag. Boy, do I have news on that we'll talk about a little later anyway so uh the traffic just regular vehicle uh, vehicular traffic and then you get into the alternative forms of transportation that were being touted promoted championed for this project Uber Lyft the mustache the 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 the, the sex offenders that drive you around no i'm teasing you know it just happens a couple of times anyway what are they private contractors employees who knows i don't know that model is changing whether it'll be around in six months. I don't, maybe those electric skateboards, something like that, a bike, put a credit card into the uh, seat. But uh, what? Bicycles. There's no class one bike paths over there in that area. The only class one bike path that's anywhere close is down by Black Rascal. And the crossing across McKee is, uh, you know, one of these, you know, flashy light things, kind of like they have at G Street. Not the safest thing as you're coming up out of that underpass. Anyway, and the other, uh, and there's it's beautiful along Black Rascal, and then it goes down to what Lake Road would be if it continued south of Yosemite and uh, hits Yosemite and Lake Road, and then it's, it's a free-for-all to get across that. Now, that is an autobahn out there because you're coming in out of the country, and a lot of people use that to get to the UC, all the construction workers, because they're all from out of town. And uh, they come out there along Kibby Arbolita, You know, they want to get to the freeway, get home after making that prevailing wage money. And it, it's, it's fast. I mean, people are flying out there, 60, 70 miles an hour. So the, the uh, students and anybody riding a bike has to uh, navigate across there. Uh, with Again, I think there's a flashing light. It was supposed to be, you know, when they were selling the project behind their moraga, they, were, they, they promised uh, at one point. An underpass or an overpass for for bicycle traffic to connect to the Lake Road Class 1 bike path that continues on to the university there along the Eucalyptus. Just a beautiful bike path repaved by the county, I don't know, several years ago now, four or five years ago. And, uh, you know, even when the goat heads are on there, it's still a beautiful bike path. you got to repair your tires every 10 feet. But it's a beautiful bike path. Anyway, Class 1 bike paths, as you know, are separated from vehicular traffic, separated from grade, as I call it, from the vehicular traffic, much much safer than the painted white line barrier. You know, you drop a, you drop the white, the right wheel over the white line. Boy, say that fast, and you've got problems. You know, uh, give them a break. What do we got to do? Three feet you're supposed to uh, give uh, pedestrians and bicyclists as you pass them well let me tell you <laughs> along Yosemite there isn't those lanes are pretty tight right now and to scooch over three feet well is a little tough so again to and then to encourage that kind of pedestrian traffic 428 people or is it 856 I say it's higher I think it was a little tight so again I know I harp and harp about this but it was a very very interesting conversation. I don't believe it was nimbyism at all. I think the people that spoke in opposition to the project, uh, which there were many, I understand, according to uh, Mr. Tresseter, the assistant city clerk, that there were a couple of letters that came in at the last minute uh, that were in uh, support of the project. I don't know who. Nobody ever spoke in support, other than the applicant, of course, The developer, and again, I think, I know, that people would love to see a retail, you know, a little 67,000, 70,000 square foot center that was originally uh, proposed when the zone change went along. Now, there were some victory. There was a victory for the developer that night because, as I said, this is a very, very small parcel. It's only five-some acres, five-point-whatever. Under six. Uh, And there was a a piece of land that was acquired from a neighbor. And, of course, all the surrounding land, as I previously said, is residential. So this land being acquired is still zoned residential. It was rezoned and was uh, recommended at the Planning Commission meeting. And the neighbors, everybody, there was really no opposition to the rezoning of the land. So that the developer had one... Contiguous piece of property, or at least two pieces of property that were zoned the same, so that they ever were to develop whatever, even this project, it had to be rezoned. Now, fortunately, the conditional use permit was denied in a five to one vote. Councilman Martinez, Anthony Martinez, who doesn't represent the district, and I have to say, the councilman that represents that district, my councilman, Kevin Blake. He had to recuse himself, and I apologize to Kevin for how long he had to stay in the back there. I know it was a long time, a couple hours, because this was a very contentious issue. This was one of the biggest developments in Merced, my friends. And dare I say the county? Maybe the valley, density-wise? That's come down the pipe. uh, Very, very quiet. Kind of snuck around, never really heard too much about it. But 428 people, 70 people per acre. And I think if they really called it what they should have called it, which is two people per unit, 140 people per acre. And then you have the commercial element. So, again, very, very busy. But the council members uh, saw, I think, the argument that it was the wrong project for the area, not necessarily the wrong project. With the wrong project for that area, and it wasn't nimbyism, it wasn't acquiescing to the neighbor's desire to have things stay the way they are forever, because that's not the way, the neighbors realize that, believe me. Those of us who live out there by the university, we've seen the change. It's daily. Now, there was a period of time it was a little slower during the recession slash depression, depending on if you had a job or not, you know, it's a recession if... If your neighbor loses the job, the job, it's a depression when you lose yours. And it was it was tough here for a lot of years. From uh, Jiminy Crickets, what about oh four oh oh eight oh eight on? It was it was ugly, ugly. And now it's uh, it's gotten a little better. It's gotten a little better. It's uh, you know the, the you hear the hammers every morning. The like I say, the construction workers are coming from out of town, <laughs> Fresno sending everybody uh, everybody north. Oh, I know there's some local people working, but uh, it's amazing how many people are coming from out of town building these homes and people that can't afford them, which is what's really sad, which is a whole other issue. And again, I understand, I understand that we need to have affordable housing. And this was Councilman Martinez's point in voting for the project, in voting for the conditional use permit, because uh, his point is, hey, it it has to go somewhere. Why not there? Why not now? Why not close to the university? Why not serve the need that we have immediately when we have a developer that says they have the financing to start within, I don't know, I think 30, 90 days was mentioned, project done in a year and a half. So why not do it now? Why not? Why not? And actually, Councilman Matt Serato, in his, I thought, excellent oratory, and again, he's an assistant DA, DA of the year, so uh, he does have good oratory skills, eloquently put the pros and cons into perspective where I really thought he was going to vote for it uh, based on his initial comments, but then he, he turned the corner, he made the linkage as to why this would not be a good project for that area at this time. So, again, I hope that that something good will go on that corner. Good development will happen because, again, there's no need to run down the hill. Let's walk down the hill. Let's look at things in a clear light. Let's look at things long-term, whatever that may be. It's kind of like the population projections. Here in the city of Merced, when we talked about the police station, it's been a lot of back and forth when you look at the general plan, and the population projections are uh, very optimistic. And at one time, with the university coming and almost here, and all that stuff, uh, you know, people were, you know, projecting out some very, uh, you know, again, optimistic numbers. I won't say they are erroneous, but they were very optimistic. Population growth is hard to predict, especially when it's tied to an economy. And uh, as you know, our economy has suffered. Agriculture is under attack. Water is a huge, huge, huge issue. We talked last week about Adam Gray and some of the things he's written about in his editorials on Cal Matter, in Cow Matters. Great editorial about impoundment of water and uh, renewable energy. But as we know, we also use water out of the dams. Irrigation season still going on, by the way. MID is still selling water. Lots to sell, so if you farmers out there, uh, I, I don't know when they're going to call it the end of this month, I heard, but who knows? It may go into November, which is amazing, and uh, hopefully we're going to get some water. Of course, everybody's seen the, uh, let's move on a little bit, talked enough about that project, but again, kudos to the city council on the, that issue uh, for voting, uh, seeing the light. Again, I appreciate John Whitaker uh letting everybody know that there were two sides to every story. And again, he asked the question, NIMBYism or just the wrong project? It was just the wrong project. So uh, it'll be interesting to see again what goes on over there. We just want to see good items for all of said. As I said, there's going to be a lot of development coming along just because the people coming into the area while the population projections may change, and they may not. Not may not everybody may not agree with what they are or going to be. It is going to increase. We all we we all know that. It's like the size of the police station. How many officers do you plan for? Because you have so many per thousand. Listen, let me uh, read something that's been handed to me by the KYOS weekend staff here. One hundred and seven point three FM and fourteen eighty AM. We're going to have some. Fun stuff going on in a couple of weeks. Oh, the other thing I want to tell you about is the little news show, the morning news show rollout, the uh, try it out. We're still crafting the clock, if you will. Those of you in the industry will know that. But we have to lay out of all, all our carts and you know when they're going to fire and how long each uh, little segment is going to be. Like I say, we hope to try something here in the 6 a.m. hour here on KYOS. Mercedes News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM. I should say that at the bottom of the half hour, I guess. Um, Here on the weekends and maybe transitioning into a weekday show during uh, drive time, 6 to 7, for those of you that drive early. And there's a lot of you. Uh, Maybe after the first year, I don't know, management is still toying around with this here at the Stevens Media Group, which we are now called, we're no more Mapleton. That's in the wind. That officially happened uh, Friday at 5 o'clock, I believe. We were uh, all uh, unhired and rehired. And they they kept me. I couldn't believe it. It was management's time. Damien looked at me. Where's Steed? But anyway, we're uh, we're here now. Anyway, so we were going to maybe try that this weekend. But like I said, we didn't get the clock and the segments. But in a couple of weeks, Saturday, October 26th, which is two Saturdays, 107.3 FM and 1480 AM, KYOS proudly presents the 50th anniversary of the Beatles album, Abbey Road, Saturday, October 26th at 6 p.m. and Sunday, October 27th at 6 p.m. This one-hour show features interviews with John, Paul, George, and Ringo, as well as George and Giles Martin interspersed with a handful of songs from the landmark album. The 50th anniversary of Abbey Road, Saturday, October 26th. At 6 p.m. and again Sunday, October 27th at 6 p.m. on the station with news talk during the week. And oldies on the weekend, which I I resent that just a little bit. Let's say oldies after uh, after 10 a.m. on the weekend. 107.3 FM and 1480 AM. KYOS. So that's, uh, I think Dave is going to be hosting that or he handed me this. He handed me this, told me to read it. He has a little fishing pole that he beats No, I'm teasing. He's a really nice guy. We love Dave Luna. We love everybody here at Stevens Media Group. That's what we are. You know, it was interesting to see uh, John. Not interesting to see. It was good to see. Good to see. John Derby, our good friend, writing a little article in there called The Homeless. And uh, talking about some of the things he used to do to help the homeless and, and how it was kind of thrown back in his face. And how he got disappointed and disillusioned. And uh, we see that a lot. Uh, We see that a lot with folks that try to help because, again, a lot of money thrown at that issue. That was one of the concerns I had about the project that we were talking about earlier. 428 units, single room. (laughs) Boy, wouldn't a nonprofit like to run that? That would solve all of Merced County's homeless issues in one fell project. But, uh, again, we have to cross those bridges, those roads. I know there's uh, been a lot of talk about about doing that and uh, what we are going to do about that. Because, as you know, the Navigation Center is going to cost a lot of money over there at the Juvenile Hall, the distributed method model, if you will, of, of homeless. There was an issue at the City Council meeting about changing the hours of the parks, which uh, passed on a 6-1 to one vote. Mayor Murphy... Voted against it. And I really don't understand, uh, quite frankly, his reasoning. He said he didn't want to uh, single out a group uh, of people. I think that's how he said her class. I'm not sure. Almost as if uh, maybe the homeless. I, I don't think he said the homeless. It was kind. Of, it was one of the, I think Whitaker, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Whitaker, uh, the reporter for the Merced County Times, said it best that it was never mentioned, the word homeless, but what was mentioned was crime, drug use, uh, other sordid activities. Uh, Kevin Blake or somebody said or anecdotally heard that there's no good that goes on in a park after dark. And <laughs> I, can, I can attest to that. And I think that's true unless you've lost your kitten or dog or forgot your keys next to the tree. Uh, I, I don't uh, I, I do not see why you need to be in a park. There's not a lot to do there after the sun goes down. and uh, it it causes a lot of problems. And the people that live around these parks, they have to suffer with that that kind of activity, especially with the homeless issue we have. And again, people that are just you know going in there and sleeping, it probably wouldn't be a big deal, but it's all the other activity that goes along with it and the in and out and then this and that and the nocturnal uh, goings on. and so, a lot of residents had it, and it wasn't a knock against the homeless. And I'm glad to see that was passed. So now I guess uh, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. or it's pretty pretty early, relatively speaking. Uh, it's different in the summer. I think it's nine, but it used to be 10 or 11. Some of these parks, very little enforcement, a lot of residents uh, resident generated complaints. And again, it wasn't a knock on the homeless necessarily, but again, the vandals, the vagrants, the uh, people that are causing crime, the people that don't want to play by the rules. Because we have, the, the the truth is, quite frankly, we have beds available. Maybe not enough for everybody if they all knocked on the door at the same time. But there are beds available over at the D Street shelter, uh, usually every night. And I know Bruce, he's still out there doing a lot of good things. He actually said the invocation. Yeah, at the council meeting on Monday night. Good to see him. Able to shake his hand as he walked out. Oh, another <laughs> another rare sighting. Darren McDaniel. That's right. Supervisor. District 3. Who represents, I believe, 8,000 people or so in the city of Merced. You would never know it. Uh, what would I say you never know? You hardly ever see him. That's what I should have said. Hardly ever see him at a council meeting. He does support... The issues going on over there in the Loughborough area, I know that Councilman Serrato, Matt Serrato, who represents that area, has a collaboration with Supervisor McDaniel. And I thought maybe he was there for that. I'm really not sure what he was there for because I was out in the ante room getting ready for the issue I was there to speak on, the project that we talked about in the first half hour of this hour. So I'm not quite sure what Darren was there for. I have a feeling it was there. There was a lot of uh, youth There about the vaping issue, the nicotine, the, uh, uh, I don't know if you can call it it tobacco. It's really uh, just the chemical nicotine and the uh, delivery system and how it's affecting the health of uh, young people. I imagine pretty kind of of everybody that uses that. Anyway, they were there uh, in force to make some pleas, and Darren was there at the start of the meeting, so it was good to see him, and I hope. I hope Darren shows up, uh, you know, every meeting. Love to have him. Love to have him. I'm sure he watches. I'm sure he watches on TV, as a lot of people do, as you can. not really makes it convenient. The only reason I was there is I had to speak on that issue. Ended up staying the whole night. There was another issue that that came up, uh, a little disappointed how that one went. But, hey, you can't. They don't all go your way. And, of course, as you know, the second and fourth Monday of the month is our good friends in Atwater. And you always see Darren there. He usually gives a board report, Board of Supervisors, because that's where he's at, Board of Supervisors District 3, represents, uh, I believe, the majority, if not all, of the city of Atwater. Doesn't really get into... uh, Kinda of claims Castle. I think Lloyd, he and Lloyd kinda of share part of Castle. I'm not sure if he has all the castle. I know Winton. I think you get into Lloyd Pereira's district. Fellow council member. He's a quiet guy. You don't you don't hear a lot from Lloyd. River Valley, it's quiet out there. serene. Merced River's flowing, the llamas are eating, the camels, uh I don't know. It's 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 picturesque out there. Snelly, Waterford. Oh that area. Oh, what a beautiful area. Anyway. Good to see Darren McDaniel at the city council meeting, but the, the park hours, the park hours, uh, good to see that gives law enforcement another tool in the old tool chest because it's difficult uh, for them to do their job. As you know, their hands are tied in a lot of ways camping, that sort of thing. Um, hard to enforce if you don't have the beds to send them to. Again, we have the beds, but is it the right kind of beds? Is it you know, the around reach around or the uh, wraparound services where they, uh, you know, take in the dogs, the, the, the uh, you know, the items, the uh, possessions, if you will, of these folks, place to store them. You can't just haul them out of the park and leave all of that stuff there. And, and man, they leave a lot of stuff. I don't know if you've seen some of the trash, especially along uh, the entrances to the freeway, the railroad right-of-ways. It's getting a, getting a little dicey there. And between... G&M on Bear Creek. My word. My word. It's really, uh, really getting busy there. You know, we talked about the uh, Merced police station meeting. They had uh, the Monday prior on the 30th. And what they're going to do, there was a little summary kind of put out by the city on that. And again, the location, the location, location, location as they say in real estate, the three things that matter. And in this project, I really think it does matter to finally zero in on a location so that we can start doing some serious site development. I think the uh, studies, you know, going through the steel case brochure, you know, what does a workstation look like? Anybody can, well, not anybody, but that's a fairly simple task. But to develop a site-specific plan for a central police station, which is what we, uh, when I say we, I think what the council has decided on, and uh, the storefront or community storefront uh, model in the other areas of town where there's already a presence, and maybe uh, adding to that presence. Mike Murphy, who we're going to replay his interview in the 8 o'clock hour, in the bonus half hour, because it was just such a good interview, Mayor Mike. And I, I know people enjoyed that and wanted to hear that again. We try to do that with our guests, give them a kind of a double tap there for those folks that Don't know, you can get on the internet and listen to any of our shows now by going to 1480kyos.com, going to the Citizen Watch banner, tapping on that and, uh, you know, listening. Anyway, the uh, police station location is really a big deal. And I I think uh, the opportunity offered by Merced College, Chris Vitelli, the president over there, Having some uh, land, available land, over by Cardella and M Street, into the northwest corner of the college, if you will, Uh, I think is really an opportunity to also get a public safety training facility for police and fire and a main police station. But having at least the drawings for the main police station so we can look at any kind of grant funding, Bonds, those type of, well, bonds we're going to have to float before the voters. We have to see how that goes. A, a property assessment, a tax, if you will. By Which, by the way, guess what's coming in the mail any day now? I got one already. Anyway, uh, the devil's in the details, and the location is a, is a big deal. So the summary by the city was, while it adequately talked about what happened at the meeting, I think we really need to talk about what's going on to the next step. Getting an architect, public safety architect, on board, retaining the professional services necessary uh, to really to really bring this thing through. We're talking about forty five to fifty million bucks, and it's only going up seven hundred fifty dollars a square foot or more, which is just insane. Anyway, that was uh, something that the city had put out. I don't know if folks have uh, seen the fires. Heard about the fires going on down in Southern California. Uh, Sometimes the news doesn't make it up this far. Absolutely devastating. It's quick how uh, soon we forget or our memories fade that it was just this time last year that there were some horrible fires down there in Southern California that started right around the uh, first couple of weeks of November, as you remember. There were some Santa Ana winds and went all the way to the ocean. Went into Malibu, burned a bunch of things. Well, that same uh, kind of situation is going on now, just a little further east, Silmar, kind of west of Pasadena anyway. Uh, just horrible what's going up there where the 5 and the 14 go together. I was watching some of the local news. I guess one of the fires, a dump truck or a garbage truck had picked up a load of something that was burning inside. The guy dumped it out, and windy day like that had just spread, and Took out quite a few trailers, and they've had one death confirmed, a couple of people missing. But the point being is fires are still huge. We've seen the fire this week in Yosemite, which has been in somewhat of a rugged area, but still took out a structure, I understand. And it was really, you know, brings back a lot of memories. Again, folks know, if you've listened to this show, I was... In the Detweiler fire in 2017, it was a horrible, horrible incident. And they really stick with you. Uh, seeing the fire in Yosemite, the only consolation was the distance from my, uh, <laughs> my property. But the fear and the concern of what was going on around, around that fire was still there. I really feel for those people in southern california there was a good article in my one of the tv stations and the one of the residents who had to evacuate said you know i looked at my house for the last time knowing it would be gone and sinking feeling in my stomach and that's exactly what it feels like it's a, it's a really horrible thing so again be careful out there this this week we saw the i hope not the new normal with the power being cut off to the foothills and the mountainous areas when these winds, these high winds, these uh, devil winds, these Santa Anas, these very hot winds start to blow, PG&E, with the liability they've incurred or been saddled with more pointedly, have forced them to take drastic measures in cutting off power, which really everybody I've talked to now wants to buy a generator and put in a, a gas or a, some sort of generator. Even the, I mean, you can't even find one at Home Depot. Harbor Freight—they're all gone. Lowe's—they've all been picked up because folks are taking them up there to the hills to keep the, you know, the wine cool or the beef. What you know, whatever you got in the freezer, the ice cubes cold. I don't know, but you need electricity. It's kind of a staple of a modern, modern society. I've talked about this before. I, I just can't believe that this is the state we've got into. I'm not talking about California. I can't believe that either. But I'm talking about just the state of affairs. Where we can't have clean, cheap, reliable power twenty-four-seven, it's like Brazil or something. You know, it's on two hours a day. Take a, you know, what are you going to do? Start rationing the water? Oh, you are. Anyway, up in the foothills there, you have a lot of people trying to, you know, buy generators and have. So, what is it better to have twenty-five, you know, thousand generators running, uh, spewing out whatever and a hot spark? <laughs> I just. I don't know. I think, uh, I think good forest management, allowing the utility, you know, there, there, there's some liability inherently that's going to happen. A tree limb is going to fall. They can't do everything. And believe me, they do a lot. They spend a lot of money. They've got a lot of equipment, a lot of manpower. But things happen. Somebody hits a power pole, it falls over. It's like the garbage truck guy. I mean, you don't think that the guy driving that garbage truck is uh who he's going through a lot of heat right now, literally. You know, wasn't you know, it's just something that that it it happened, maybe shouldn't have happened, but to saddle the utility with the liability where they turn your power off so they have none, well, I don't know if that's the answer. I have all these little generators running. Anyway, the fire danger is still there no matter If the power's on or off, I don't know how these fires started up in Yosemite. Some fires just start naturally, but the the fuel up there is still heavy. It's still very, very dry, even going into this weekend. We really won't be out of it until we have three or four good soakings. And hopefully that'll happen, because we need rain, we need water. As we talk about, those issues are still front and center in the news. As I said, I'm going to play the Mike Murphy, Mayor Mike Murphy. Is he going to run for Congress? We don't know. He hasn't made that decision yet. Doesn't appear as we go to air today, unless something's happened this weekend. I've encouraged him to run for another position. I don't know if he's going to listen to that. I hope I'm not the only one that tells him that. Anyway, uh, Congressman Costa is a tough opponent. We all know that. Johnny Teixeira ran against uh, Jim Costa, I believe, two times for sure, maybe three. And then Elizabeth Hang, the Republican opponent to Jim Costa last year, I thought did a wonderful job, but unfortunately came up short. Some of her commercials were spot on, and uh, he is still walking in Nancy Pelosi's shoes to this day, especially on this impeachment issue. And there's so many more important things. But this, you know, we're going to hold everybody accountable. Nobody's above the law. Yeah, well. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I didn't. I'm not even going to talk about that this week because we don't have enough time. Starting to run out of the hour, believe it or not. I hope you tune in next week. We're going to have, hopefully, a guest. I want to try to get some folks in here that we've uh, we've ran into again. Uh, Darren McDaniel good friend of the show we were going to hopefully have him in a couple of weeks ago but he he's busy he was at the uh it wasn't the one voice but he was in washington dc maybe he can come in and give us an update of things going on over there at the board of supervisors as you know i gotta get ready dave luna has a staff did i tell you that anyway uh, over at the board of supervisors uh, a lot of things going on that we can talk about and hopefully we will Anyway, my name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley. On Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. If you want to write us, PO Box 551, Merced, California, 95341. Anytime on these airwaves, we'll get back with you. Or read your letter on the air. Wouldn't that be cool? We got to go. We're out of time. Mike Murphy at the 8 o'clock hour. Of course, you want to listen to Roger Wood, Community Conversations. Great, great. uh, Six great episodes with my buddy, Raj. Coming up after the news from 7 to 8 every weekend. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.